0: Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Four o'clock hour, Reno's in, Vegas, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. John Von Tobel, Steve Cofield, DeMond Cotton. You do realize uh, why we do need to stick together in most cases when you do radio. Okay. Right? And you were defending Colin Cowherd. Last hour for that thing he did a couple of days ago. A fellow national guy. Yeah, saying you fellow national guy. I'm not national. Uh, you guys are better. Um, he made a mistake, right? He read yeah. out Dwayne Haskins can't win a Super Bowl. Well, Dwayne Haskins is dead. Um, we all need to back each other because we can all do stuff like sure. this to a much lesser degree. I, it just hit me that I must have said 15 or 20 times in two days talking about the brawl in Alabama, calling it Birmingham, and it was in Montgomery. You gotta correct me, man, right away. Just—I mean, I'll admit, what I an idiot! I, didn't, I yeah. didn't know you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Oh, well, no, because I, mean, I kept calling. I like heard you came up I with a name. Know. You even said what the name was, and then I changed the city in res- like what, What's going on? Yeah, you know, facts don't matter. They, no, they do. I mean, we're here for entertainment. This is the kind of thing that, for me, will hit me in like—if I didn't realize it right then during that last conversation, it would hit me like well, yeah, in some know. lonely night yeah. in Ann Arbor to be like, "Set it!" I just up Damn sitting up straight in bed. And just start punching myself in the face, like come on,
2: um, get it right. To your point, I mean, look, it, one of my, I guess, proud moments, early years here, filling in for you, Adam Hill and I did a whole segment on, do you think Luther Vandross opens or yep. closes concerts yep. with one shining moment? Yep. Not realizing that he had passed away. He had passed right. away. We are this show is really bad at Dead or Alive. <laughs> I mean, it happens. We just miss stuff
1: or we forget, and we're not like as a group, we're not really that old. We just everything's moving fast. Everything's processing too. Sometimes we go too fast for ourselves. Mm-hmm. All right, Big 4 time.
3: Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents
1: The Big 4 at 4.
0: Number 4.
1: I almost want to say we can't do this cuz I get worked up. Let's see where we go with this one. So we got uh we got a highly uh, I I think from what I hear it's a very highly rated, highly touted pasta sauce. Dude. We gotta I, we gotta move on this one. So what happened? So I first off, I had
2: no idea. I see this pasta sauce when I go to the store. Oh, you had no idea how much people love this drink right, and freaking I, stuff. I've used it once, but like I've never never knew it was like this. So Campbell's um, bought Rouse Rouse, right? Yeah, Rouse pasta Not- sauce. Uh, so, you can see it, RAO, whenever you go to the right. store, you'll see it. It's big letters. Like, okay. I know exactly what it is. And I, can I see it know my where eye. it is.
1: It's on the top shelf. Yeah. Because it catches my eye. After I look down, and I'm like, oh, $1.78 for whatever brand. Earth. And I look up, and I'm like, $8.49. For the- okay. All right. There's better be hand smashed tomatoes okay. in that job. I've never had it. I F- Simply for that reason. I can tell I am you. I'm too cheap. And, uh, you know, I've you know mentioned I love pasta. I'm part Italian. I had very good cooks. In my family, I don't care to buy a jar of freaking gravy marinara for eight fifty. So maybe Maybe it is the greatest thing ever. So this led me to two questions. So, you, so, so, so what's
2: happening here is you got a small company bought by... Big one, Campbell's, yep. So I'm sure people are freaking out, right? Yeah, they thought that maybe they were going to like change the recipe, whatever it is. Campbell's has since come out and said they're not going to. So while people were freaking out, yeah. like it sounds like maybe nothing's going to change. But this led me to two questions. You you kind of answered my first one with the Italian background. Do you just make do you make gravy like once a month and then you store it in the pantry for later?
1: We've done this before. There are there's at least one pasta sauce, marinara, yeah. gravy
2: snob on the show. Who do you think it is? Candy? No. What? Oh, he's just a snob. Well, he just he knows he just comes off as a snob. I don't know.
1: He ooh. might be, but no. I mean this this person will make it is a cardinal sin to use jarred
2: sauce. Oh, who can't even think about it? Willie G. Ramirez. He's not good enough cook to be a snob about that. Oh, oh I'm clipping this. I'm sending it to him. He he will. We have a
1: lot of clips to send him. I think I called a steak yesterday. Green. Uh, <laughs> no, he goes ballistic. You know who else goes crazy. And th- this is a. This is everywhere, but it, it, particularly in New Jersey, there's a lot of mixed marriages and the generations above me, a lot of Irish and Italian. Okay. So Danielle McCartan, who's on WFAN, who's on with us every once in a while, she's another one, just goes ape crap over jarred sauce. I'm like, what? I don't relax. I mean, I guess, I guess to your point, you're right. Uh, you could you could dedicate a few hours on an off day and make the sauce yeah. for, for weeks in advance. I, just, I move fast man right. like I'm eating fast I, I don't I don't cook for hours but you know you know what the same thing Ryan McKinnell another member of the sure. company these guys are like when they cook like they'll do it for two hours like I ain't I, the sauce ain't that important to me if I want real
2: if I want good sauce I'll probably go out where I know they're making the sauce sure so that was so that was the first angle here was like the the you know do you allow the use of jarred sauce yes the second angle That's is oh yeah Have you ever had an item that you love discontinued? Because that's what people really fear here is that it might get discontinued. And for me and uh, and Isabel, it was actually a pasta sauce that was discontinued. I can't remember one of the other brand name that's on there, but it was like a spicy poblano-like white sauce that was made for a while that they just discontinued. It was awesome, and it's gone, and I haven't had it in like five years.
0: Maybe not something actually in the store that I would buy, but uh, the chicken selects at uh, Mickey D's. Okay, Man, bring okay. them back.
1: Well, I mean, you guys, every day with the Taco Bell. What Adam was doing it again yesterday. What's the thing that... Uh, some, the double-decker taco. Yeah, that that got canceled. Oh, yeah. But, but you could still make a double, that, double-decker taco. That's what he taco. explained. Yeah. And I said it unless it's on TikTok. I have no idea what you're talking about. I got to see it being made.
2: We you, you just end, unroll a bean of, burrito, put a taco in it. <laughs> that's all <laughs> it
1: is. But my, br- I'm like, I don't even, I don't know what I, I, actually have no idea how he, what he said yesterday about how to do it. I will forget what you just said in 30 seconds. You want to bring it in tomorrow, and we can do it on the show.
2: Uh, yeah, I bring you. I'll bring in a taco and <laughs> a bean like, burrito. Oh we'll construct one together.
1: But I have to think long and hard to something that got discontinued at the store uh, that I can't get anymore. I don't. I don't think there is anything. I'm not real particular. I'm an animal. And I can also I we've talked about this a lot. I can eat the same thing every day. So I guess if one of the, but but I would find an alternative if something but, got discontinued. I really I I can shop on like a, a like per item. I can shop on like a 50 cent to 125 level. That's why I look like I do. I don't
2: care. If AMPM discontinued those chicken sandwiches though, you'd be you'd be done. Uh, well, they, they do hold for days as <laughs> you found out on,
1: on road trips.
2: like, dude, I'm telling like he like gas station, chicken sandwiches, pull it out. Pull it out of the bag, like out of the bottom of the bag. Like, no, nah, I still got some food.
1: Oh, I'll buy it. I'll, on a UNLV basketball trip. There's one near the airport. I'll buy it on what I say. It's like one P on a Tuesday. The group flies on Tuesday night on Wednesday. The whole day they played the game. We get back on a plane after the game, and I'm like, "Yeah, I got my chicken sandwich from
2: yesterday." The team feeds you? Not really, actually. Sometimes uh, they that's do.
1: A, that's a whole dicey issue. Oh, that's a that's a can of worms. That we do we want to blow out the the big four? And, yeah, and, can't, no, no. Yeah, we kept not we We're not going to get oh, the whole okay. big four. Yeah. No, it's okay. How do you, you want to explain it? Both with football and basketball, and with different coaches, by the way. So,
2: like when you get on the team plane, you know there's food. But you essentially, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I've only done this one year now. Football
1: or basketball are you are talking about? For football. For football, they have a, well... They have a meal line, no, but it it changed, it's only for no, players. Football changed under Arroyo one year to the next. There used Ooh, to be... Maybe
2: Barry Odom's going to feed us. You ha-
1: I don't know what he's going to do. No, there used to be, there'd be like giant boxes of food for the players to pick up, and some of the support staff would pick it up, some sandwiches, and there'd be a drink. The last year, that changed, and that food was not available. There were some drinks available, because I think... I don't think it was... The, there's not many um, you know, media staff members. There's only a few people who travel. Um, I think the support staff got a little crazy, and they took too much food, so they actually did not bring the food out near the plane. They, the players could go grab it, bring it on, and we had no access. And then, but then there's also... I hope people like these stories, but um, when you travel with a team after a game, right? there's nowhere to go eat because you're rushing right. back to get to a charter flight. Um, they will have a certain amount of food... Well, the last thing I know, you you consider last thing I'm ever going to do after a say a basketball game, right? If they have food for thirty four people, and then some of us on the the broadcast team grab stuff, and then a couple of players are getting on, and they don't yeah. have food. Like I ain't doing that. So I bring my own food. I yeah. either bring it. I will. I mean, that story's crazy. Where I've got food that's like, and I refrigerate it in the room. So what? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's hot and cold. Hot and cold. Hot and cold. Um. It's not. It doesn't have that much, uh, you know, that many germs on it, bacteria on it. Um, no, I, 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 make an effort during the day of game day. Um, I will have a like a sub, but it's not. It's not chilled the whole time. I probably could do a bet a little better job of bringing like a little cooler and some Tupperware. I started doing that last year. I've. But I like to the original point. I am an animal. And I've trained my body to to like not get, Train my body. not get sick. <laughs> like it, it takes in such garbage that there's almost nothing that can really be spoiled that gets me.
2: I, I will also say too to the point of like UNLV and eating, I refuse flat out. There was there was three times where there was an Ugh. opportunity to take food, and I just refused to do it because, to Steve's point, like I just I didn't want to be media guy who takes food from players or whoever wants it needs it whatever. I've been fed one time though, and that was actually after that Cali tournament last year where we got on the bus going back. And there was like four or extra chicken sandwiches or something. Yeah. and they you know, the play no. they actually came to us and were yeah, like, "Here, last. these are extras. Hey, we got You team. can have these, but I'll never take
0: never. The one time I did, I filled in to be the audio engineer for Learfield. It was a game in Fresno, and I was so hungry after the game. I think the plane was delayed, or I don't know what was going on. Steve, you remember that game? Mm-hmm. It was like it was everything that could go wrong, went wrong, technically was, and everything. But I was dying for one of those chicken salads after the game, and they gave me a chicken salad, and boy, it, I mean, <laughs> so, I don't know why it's the
1: greatest thing ever. It really is when you when you're really when you're freaking really hungry and you have no other options. You're like, thank God. First world problems. All right, number three. Number three. So for folks in Reno, you don't get to hear this. We've got a show uh, for now. The arena, what? The arena, two to three what on Wednesdays <laughs> on ESPN Las Vegas with one of our FM DJs. Greg Salerno we had a controversy last week well two weeks ago I went in and it's a debate show and it's scored and a final score is given so two weeks ago I went in and I beat him up pretty easily it was like five two three there were three pushes Damon goes in and the regular judge was out so Jared Justice is the judge and Jared starts listing off he talks about six different debates and he mentions Damon won four or five of them and then all of a sudden they play the sounder for the winner and it's Greg Salerno won they don't give a score. So I guess Salerno, like, was listening and got really worked up about this, so we got him. We got him hooked now. That's the goal. He's getting fired up.
0: Last week I had Damon Cotna, who is the producer of Cofield and Company, which is the show that follows this show. Okay. He came on last week and he lost. And he lost I don't even know if it was that close, okay? Damon lost. Basically that's it. So they go on their show, and oh, the incessant whining that took place on Coalfield and Company after that loss. I, the, 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 the way they say that he dominated the show, I think I was referred to as a wacky
1: FM DJ. You are wacky. Uh, well, I mean, okay. Okay. So we got him with the wacky FM DJ you thing. Are I've, wacky. I've always used that. So, a couple things. We said he dominated because Jared said he dominated, and then there was no score. You can't have a contest and not have a score. And by the way, my wacky FM DJ comment is, you're not wacky on the show. I thought the concept of the show is debate sports guys and be FM wacky guy. Instead, he like you said, Demon, he's doing like hardcore sports debates.
2: What is this? It's weird. You know, you know how I know he beat Damon? Because he brought in a tomato can like Gooch to get an easy win right after.
0: <laughs> Where was the crying the week before when Cofield was in here? I won. No complaining about the scoring. No complaining about his win. He won 5-2. to two. One of the points he won was because he was talking to Doug about Pancerelli's boss in Chips. Okay? Robert Pine. Played yeah. by Robert Pine. Which had nothing to do with the topic or the question. I that got a point? I don't know how, but somehow no, 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 he got... No, no, no. There was more to that.
3: Maybe a pro tip, don't immediately start, like, calling out the judge right before he has to judge you.
1: So guess who played the game the right way? I made my arguments, they were good, and kissed up to Doug here and there, and he screamed to Doug the whole time. And you noticed, he knew the score of our match. He doesn't know the score against Amon the because there was no score, which means the win is invalid, and no one from Cofield & Company is ever going on Salerno's Arena Show ever again! You know what's been most gross about this conference chaos stuff, and especially the latest round, John, with the Pac-12 and the Mountain West and San Diego State trying to be scuzzy and dissolve the Mountain West and leave a bunch of Mountain West teams behind, mm-hmm. is how many fans and even media people start coming up with their own formula of who should be left on the wayside. And I keep hearing New Mexico left out, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I remember the days where New Mexico had you know really good success in both basketball and football. And if this is what it's about, football, uh, they're not a nothing. It's been a rough time recently. So Sean Ryder's covering uh, the Lobos football program, and they're on the come. They're trying to bounce back from uh, really rock bottom with Danny Gonzalez there now. What's going on, buddy? How are
4: you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: Uh, Did I frame that correctly? How do the people in Albuquerque feel right now with all this conference chaos stuff, and no one mentions New Mexico, and then you got other schools'
4: fans who are like, screw New Mexico, drop them. They feel hopeful and also okay. very defensive, uh, as you have noted. I mean, yes, they have been one of the schools that are kind of counted out because of the lack of football success. But I think they're like a lot of Mountain West fans. Uh, they feel very good, if not very opportunistic, about what the Mountain West could be. Whether it actually takes that form, uh, I don't have the answer on that.
1: Hey, what do you? I mean, what do you think? To speculate here, and now that things have calmed down with the ACC, with Stanford and uh, SMU and Cal. Um, will the Mountain West presidents you know, be aggressive and, and try to fortify before they get picked apart anymore, like go grab Wazoo, go grab Oregon State?
4: Well, they have that uh, Wazoo Board of Regents meeting, I believe, scheduled for tomorrow morning, and I think that uh, should probably, hopefully, give a good answer on what their path will be going out. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I believe it was uh, Bronco Nation News um, that they covered Boise State. They did a good interview with Gloria Navarrez. Where uh, I mean, she really said, like, yeah, you know, we do want to add, and we do want to be proactive about adding, um, but we want to see what how things shake out, what ends up being the best fit for us. You so, know, for folks who I don't know, I can I was going to say for folks
1: who read, it, yeah. I I say, folks who read up on, I was going to say for folks who read up on the Washington State situation, a lot of their problems are they know they're going to be facing a big drop in revenue from the conference, and they're also kind of in the soup. From a financial standpoint, I think they lost like 14 or 15 million last year, which, you know, let's make the transition to Lobo Athletics. It hasn't been easy money wise, and, and 2020 with COVID was just really, really rough. So I wanna, I wanna frame this where, you know, Gonzalez walked into a really, really rough situation. Where do you think they are now? What's Gonzalez's attitude on this rebuild? They should be coming out of it and making some progress, but can they, uh, because they got hit by the transfer portal on defense?
4: I think, you know, give up. Danny has been um, very positive about a lot of things. He's said it a ton of times since I've been here. You know, we came in with a plan, and we had to adjust the plan because, you know, the transfer portal, when he came in, was still in full swing, but now it's on a completely different level, as you guys know. NIL wasn't even legal when he took the job here. We've um, so been very proactive about, you know, adjusting that plan, and he has adjusted the plan. Um, but, unfortunately, you're right. You know, the defense has been completely depleted. Um, you know, they did lose all seven of their leading tacklers. The last to go was Deion Hunter. He went to Cincinnati. Um, but at the same time, everything I've seen out of that defense, in terms of talking to Danny and talking to other guys on that defense, uh, they feel very confident about where they are and what they can do this upcoming season.
2: So you have a a promoted defensive coordinator, correct, on that side. So do you think there's going to be a a steep learning curve? Because I would assume you keep over some of the same defensive principles as a 3-3-5, a defense that can be pretty complex.
4: They have indicated to me that there really hasn't been much of a learning curve at all. Even with guys like uh, Diarco Perkins-McAllister and Marvin Covington, a pair of safeties from them, they came in from TCU's 3-3-5, which is different than what UNM does. But at the same time, they told me in the spring, you know, we feel like we have a pretty good base understanding. It's just the verbiage is different. And then Noah Pulla-Gate, the safety that transferred in this summer, and he told me, he said, I'll be honest with you, it's the exact same thing we were running in the spring when I was with Tony White, another Rocky Long disciple. He said, again, it's just the verbiage is different. And then the rest of the guys that are going to be playing big time in that defense, I mean, they've all been here for two, three years and the like. They feel very good about where they're at
2: defensively, what would you say is the strongest position group?
4: Ooh, I will go, I'll go safety right now. Yeah, I'll I'll go safety, but you could say corners. Um, I would say the best player on the defense right now is Dante Martin, and he's a corner. But I I think the safeties could end up being really good.
1: Sean Ryder, Albuquerque Journal, as we do our New Mexico preview, UNLV in New Mexico uh, meeting this season. All right, let's go to offense. So, First of all, talking about what needed to be improved, we know quarterback, we'll get to that in a second, but I mean, le- the last, ooh, it's two and a half years now. I mean, it, I, what is it, like 20 of 21 games where they haven't scored more than 20 points? So aside from quarterback, where do we see the vast improvement? How does this offense get better?
4: They got better a lot through the transfer portal in the spring with um, with wide receivers in particular. The receivers, uh, I mean, last year it was really just Jordan Porter and Luke Weislong. Um, and when you're running guys like that and that's all that you have, it's going to be really, really tough. Uh, they've upgraded a lot of wide receiver. I'd say they added Jeremiah Hickson. He's an Alabama State transfer. Maybe not the most impressive name, but he's made a huge impact from what I've seen so far. DJ Washington is a six foot five, two 220-pound wide receiver, um, super athletic. They feel the sky's the limit with him. He came in from Iowa Central Community College. Um, I mean... In general, they've added um, Caleb Medford from TCU as well. Another guy, lengthy, twitchy, can get after it. Uh, that's where I've seen the most improvement. And a lot of guys on the defense, in particular, have said, you know, like for the first time in a while, like we've really had to work against the first team wide receivers and the second team wide receivers. In the past, that wasn't really the case.
1: So a lot of the hopes about a big jump on offense are at quarterback. They've got a UAB transfer in. Dylan Hopkins. Uh oh. Twenty hours ago, Sean Ryder tweet: Dylan Hopkins has been shut down for now. What's going on here?
4: Yeah. So Danny told me um, I was at practice yesterday, and very, you know, you, you notice when you're, you know, you're yes. proclaimed starter, the guy that uh, a lot of the offensive hopes rests on, um, is just not taking snaps. He's out there in full in full pads. And I asked him like, Hey, like, well, why didn't Dylan really do anything today? And he said, you know, Dylan's thrown about 1,000 balls. Uh, he's really been getting after it. Um, we feel like we need to rest him at this point. Uh, there's there's no injury concerns with him. It's just a very proactive rest period. He'll be back to practice on Monday.
1: So the chances of uh, bettering 2-10 and 0-8 and and are pretty strong. Um, the schedule is interesting. I mean, you tell us, especially about New Mexico State, but that those first four games – you're at Texas A&M. That's gonna be tough. Tennessee Tech, New Mexico State, and then at UMass, they got to get out to at least a two and two start there. Do they have a chance to go three and one?
4: I think they do have a chance to go three and one. I do think uh, if you take A&M out of the mix, then I, you know, like uh, I think New Mexico will be improved. Um, I don't think they'll be compete with A&M at College Station improved. But I think um, you know they do. I think the toughest game there in those that's the three games after is. Pretty clearly New Mexico State. I haven't heard good things about UMass. Tennessee Tech is FCS. No disrespect to them. But um, New Mexico State is going to be better than they were last year, um, and I think that will be a really fun competitive football game.
1: And then there's some litmus test you know, games during the season. Uh, one at Nevada, and Ken Wilson did not have a great season last year, and they've had to go to the portal a lot. So that's that's an important game for both programs, you know, to make progress to get to four, five, six wins or more. And then UNLV here, uh, check that in Albuquerque on November fourth will be interesting because UNLV with a coaching change turned over about you know forty players on their roster. So I mean, I would think at best they've got to you'd be hopeful to get a split there. Um, I, I don't you know don't go zero and two, but these are all programs kind of in that. I think UNLV's a little bit ahead of the other two in terms of progress, but those are the teams that need to start moving in a positive direction to get the six or seven wins.
4: Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I I just want to say I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens with UNLV, particularly when they come to Albuquerque, where they're at in that point, because, I mean, if Brennan Marion's go-go is clicking, I mean, that's going to be a really fun team to watch, but whether it starts clicking at all is kind of a big question.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of it at UNLV is going to be quarterback. Doug Brumfield, when he's been healthy, they're you know they a different team, and uh, now he's in his third year, so he's got to stay healthy, so high hopes here. Um what do you think of New Mexico's attendance coming up this year? Can they get good vibes going early on to get the attendance up? Because, you know, that, that's also – when we talk about the conference chaos, uh, chaos stuff, that's a lot of, I think, the perception issue with New Mexico uh, that, you know, it's not worthy of being in a, in a bigger conference because the crowds haven't been there. But, I, I mean, I'll always tell people between basketball and football, if it's rolling well, they – you know, Lobos fans are some of the best fans in the entire uh, conference. They, they show out, but you got to give a decent product.
4: Exactly. Yeah, and that's something Danny said too. I uh, think it was a press conference in January. He said like, "Hey, like a lot of you like remember because you guys were here in like 2000 to 2007 when Rocky was uh, at New Mexico. He's like you remember how fun that was? Like how like you know how filled up those stadiums would get. So that's clearly on his mind as well. I um, mean, there is a section of the fan base I know that you know it does feel pretty strongly. Like, hey, like even with conference realignment on the brain." We need to start kind of doing our part, showing up, like going to that Tennessee Tech game, going to New Mexico State game, and all the rest of the home slate.
1: Sean, we appreciate you checking in. Thanks for the time, and we'll be talking to you during the season. Okay. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you having me on. So New Mexico, they were never a powerhouse mm-hmm. under Rocky Long, but they were consistent. You know, right around five to eight wins, and they did make five bowl games. And um, you know, for UNLV New Mexico, is that that's a bare minimum that you want to get to? I mean, you want to get to the point where. I mean, frankly, Nevada football has had high watermarks where they win, you know, eight, nine, ten games. You'd like to get to that level. But, you know, all three schools are kind of in that same zone, and UNLV has been the least successful the last 25 years. Please don't fire me. I don't Mm -hmm. want to get Kevin Brown right. Um but these school, these three schools are kind of measuring sticks.
2: And New Mexico's got to start making some progress. My God. I mean, Offensively, it's just been rough. I throw that Hawaii game on October 21st in there, too. They get to host them right before that Good stretch point. against Nevada and
1: UNLV. And, and freaking Hawaii's plucky, man. Yep. We both like Timmy Chang and the way that team was really depleted last year, and they play their asses off. College football professional better, Brad Powers, coming up in about eight minutes. Iowa State and Iowa lost more players, huh, for this betting scandal. So we'll get into that and the effect on both of those teams. And also the introduction of uh, ESPN Bet, a branded partnership where ESPN will appear to have a sports book. They'll push it, and it's a Penn National, but apparently they could be in up to 16 states. And I assume they're going to push it hard on TV. And I was actually asking another professional gambler last night about. Um, what they expect from ESPN bet, but their answer was interesting in terms of trying to get money down. So it's not a great year right now for the pros. So we'll get to that. So we got our brethren over on comp all worked up. Greg Salerno. Truth or um, I got him so annoyed two weeks back on his one-hour show on ESPN Las Vegas on Wednesday. It's called The Arena that he offered to play... This is the other crazy thing. Multiple people on Cofield and Company, and he would put up 500 bucks. I mean, I'll take him on last.
2: Can I be fifth in the rotation? Well, we should probably weight that by like, skill, right? So, like, the worst basketball player among amongst us should would get him get last. Him last okay. Yeah. okay. Would you say that might be you? Yeah, There's a possibility, yeah. Okay.
1: I know Candy's in urine, me... Adam Hill, DeMond, uh Willie's been on vacation, so we'll have to ask Willie. I I don't, I don't know if I want Willie in. I want a clean sweep. I'm not showing a lack of confidence. He's a big, Ooh. he's a he's a short lifter guy,
2: so I don't know if you can play. Yeah, you're, you're a short
1: lifter guy, but you played.
2: I was gonna say yeah, he used to play. So yeah, there's a great picture of me in an Orlando Magic jersey like this <laughs> you know, when I was like seven. So
1: and by the way, Ryan McKinnell's not included because we saw Ryan had a picture at basketball camp. Uh, way back, like 11 years old, with Chris Weber, but Ryan was wearing Umbros. Do you remember those? No. They were like very popular soccer shorts in the 80s and 90s. I'm like, you went to basketball camp and you were wearing Umbros. You, there's no way you could play basketball. You would have never worn soccer shorts. Mm. You,
2: you, unfortunate. Yeah. So,
1: but Salerno was fired up, man. He, uh, he came out all mad yesterday and was uh, getting after uh, us for. He calls it whining, but uh, I call it not keeping score in a contest and then just announcing randomly a winner, and the winner was him. Something was weird. Demon. someone needs to stand up for Demon. So we'll do it. We'll do it. Go ahead, Salerno. One final point. I just want to say that, you know,
0: the crying can stop now. Okay, you lost. Damon lost. I'm sorry. I know. I'm just a wacky FM DJ. I didn't know the guy that adjusts your headphones. It's a sports encyclopedia. Okay, now we can get to the show.
2: Wait, what about adjusting headphones?
1: Yeah, by the way, I'm just the guy who adjusts headphones. Oh,
2: I mean, if that's by the one, way, what
1: job. what these guys do? First of all, Damon is on the air as a two and a three all the time. Do I do it or do not? It. What are you talking about? I mean, he's a better sports talker than you are. So let's let's establish that first of all. That's yes, say- right, Steve. And and what these guys do, I people have no idea how fast behind the scenes the show goes and the amount of concentration, like Ari did a wonderful job, and DeMond's doing a really good job. Your job's not easy. You're not just a jo- I, Believe me, I just adjusted my headphones on my own. We're, we're able to do that. He's he nice. does a lot more. Tell him, Steve. Yeah.
2: You, mean, you mean DeMond doesn't just open the mic and go, it's puddle of mud? <laughs> uh, i the rock station.
1: Well, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Well, you should, be all, you should be fired up by that. What's that? Adjust the headphones. you you were you know, you were a longtime producer. That's how you cut your teeth
2: getting in. That's right. It's not an easy gig. Of course not. Oh oh I get it. now. so he's saying that's all you do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, please. Yes. Yes. Wouldn't be yes. able to last yes. five seconds doing your actual job if we actually pushed him to the limit that you're supposed to as a producer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Come on.
0: Also, was the color commentary for the XFL Vipers in oh, their first season in Vegas. There you go. go. Gonna be uh, co hosting Q's kickoff again before uh, every Raider home game again oh, this wow. season.
1: Is that official? Oh, it is okay. Good. Adjust the There microphone. you go. We've got it set up. By the way, when management hears this, this is Sports Talk Radio. This happens. This got banished years ago because we had soft hosts who could go complain to management. Right? This is called cross promotion. We have arguments. We're guys. There are gals who will fight. This is what we do.
0: Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and
1: ESPN Sports Reno. I'm fired up. We're ready to battle. I'm ready to battle with this guy over something real quick.
2: I like it in fights.
1: Yeah. A little station battles, right? Uh you know, we got Brad Powers who's always battling Fezic. He hates Fezic. Uh, it's it's deep hatred. We know. Uh Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. We know you don't hate Fezzick. Um, So I commented on something you had posted, and we're gonna get to all the college football stuff in a second. This is college football related. I had commented on a post you said, or you tweeted out the other day, about uh, all the conference realignment, conference chaos reporting. You remember what the uh, the tweet said that you sent out? Oh wow! It was was basically, Uh, it was basically, hey, the media did a bad job. Uh, You know, don't try to be reporting, don't try to be first. And I think someone agreed with you. My counter to that is. I just want people to know when you've got whoever, it's McMurphy or Thamel or Dennis Dodd or these guys, they, they do have bosses. And, you know, I haven't been in newspapers for a while, but there are times when bosses are like, you need to have content about this or else. Like sometimes it's not exactly your call. I just want people to know that to defend some of the writers because you're right. Um, reports were changing like every four hours for a couple of days around all that stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean Oregon, Washington, the Pac-12 is going to stay together, and then within an hour, and no, they're broken apart. That was previous to them, you know, breaking apart. I mean, I, I get the whole twenty-four hour news cycle. You have to have something, but do you really? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just me being a, a you know journalist, a, a journalist major. Yeah, that, we weren't taught that. I mean, <laughs> report on, on the facts, not the, uh, not the uh, you know guesstimation. But I mean, everything else has changed in the last twenty years. Where I just eye roll because, I mean, it was complete. It's not like things were changing, but, I mean, completely changing. The conference is breaking apart. Nobody's staying together. No, it's breaking apart, and this is in a matter of 10 hours. I guess that was my frustration.
1: I mean, there was a follow-up report with Oregon that Oregon was in agreement on Friday morning before they were going to meet with everyone in the conference at 9 a.m. They were in agreement, moving ahead uh, to stick with the conference, and at 7.45 in the morning, they're like, we're out. Like, did someone – one of the power brokers is like, no, we're not. So things do change like that. But you're right, the rush to get the information out. Plus, let, let's let's also point out, Brad, that there are so many, um, let's say, social media creators who have a source, and then they their stuff is out there. It just – you're, it, you're right. It got crazy. John, can we get to your point about the future in the Big Ten with Oregon and Washington? Because yeah, I want to sure. hear Brad on this and how it's going to affect handicaps. So, Brad, my whole
2: thing has been, like, you know, conferences start to reflect one another in terms of style of play. Uh, you can see it in the Big Ten. You see it in other ones. And I'm really curious, your thoughts of once these conferences merge and you get the style of football that you'll get from an Oregon or a Washington, the USC's, UCLA's of the world, and how that merges with a conference that is used to playing in the Midwest in that weather that's a little bit more ground and pound and... And a little bit more run oriented, physically oriented. Like, what do you make of those two concepts coming together, and who would eventually have an advantage like that?
3: Oh wow, uh, it's an excellent question. I mean, it really depends uh, on who it is. I think USC and specifically UCLA is going to struggle with it uh, more so than Oregon and Washington. Although Washington went pretty past happy last year. Uh, Oregon didn't have a problem going to the horseshoe a couple of years ago and bullying Ohio State in that game. So I guess i got to see it from a case-by-case basis. I can only report on what I've seen currently on the roster right now, and I would say of the four new teams, UCLA is going to struggle the most well, with the physicality. USC, uh, still, even with Lincoln Riley there, they have the skill on both sides. But, uh, man, up front of the line of scrimmage is still a question mark, at least on a game-in and game-out basis. I'm not sure the USC is there yet to, to, to play Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, and Wisconsin. Iowa also playing Notre Dame non-conference. They also play LSU next year in non-conference.
2: Can I move on to another media topic? Of course. Okay. Do whatever you want. Because you guys were talking about media. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. I know you did see this, right? Because I think you retweeted it. Uh, Bet MGM with the Shadur Sanders reportedly throwing 22 touchdowns, zero interceptions through a week of camp, and then pairing that up with 125 to one hundred and twenty-five to one to win the Heisman. Oh no! What, what do you what do you make of this? And it kind of ties in the media thing, which is you know social media is obviously a whole other animal too. And when you have these sports books that are trying so hard to stay relevant on social media, you kind of get some icky posts like this one.
3: Yeah, I mean, I. I... I tweeted that I thought it was predatory behavior by BetMGM. Number one, I mean, what? I don't know how you can verify a stat that he's thrown twenty-two touchdowns, zero interceptions in camp. I mean, right, right. first week of camp. I mean, is that scrimmaging? Is that against air? Is that you know seven on seven? I mean, what is that? And, and who's keeping track of that? So, um, and there's that regard. There's also, I mean. You know, them, you know, throwing out a really good stat out there and then trying to get, I mean, enticing, at least in my opinion, people to to get him to win the Heisman. I mean, sure, I, I guess there's a sucker born each day, but I just, I, I didn't like that tactic by like that MGM. But I got to tell you, you mentioned that some of these, you know, uh, sportsbooks, you know, they have a job to do on social media to get, you know, gather interest and whatnot. I've been on Twitter uh, 12 years. That's my most popular tweet. They got over 3 million views, 17,000 likes, well over 1,000 retweets. I mean, Colorado this year is as big of a lightning rod uh, that I've ever seen in college football. It's
1: funny, the other day, uh, Colin Coward was making a real big case for the fact that in his mind, there needed to be more big college football games every single week of the year, and that's why you start to fold in the conferences to get more big games, and he said he looked at – uh, Labor Day weekend, and there were two big games. And uh, what is it? Is it LSU and Florida State that week? Is that one of them? Right. Yep. And yep. then he said the other big game is TCU Colorado, and I just laughed. I'm <laughs> like, what? But but to Brad's point, people are so amped up over this Deion Sanders thing. It is going to be Bafo and you know, until they're completely horrible, it's going to get a lot of eyes.
3: Yeah, I think some of that tongue-in-cheek on Colin. I mean, he's, he's works for Fox. That's the big mm-hmm. noon Fox game, Colorado TCU. Yeah. I do expect it to get a, a really big rating, to be honest with you. We'll see if the audience is still watching in the fourth quarter with TCU up three touchdowns. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 to, I agree with him that there needs to be more big matches, specifically week one. I mean, this year's played a disaster. Now, I will say this. Uh, week two and make more than makes up for week one and if you're diving in some of those matchups it just comes a week later this year but uh, yeah I'm mean, we're definitely going to get it now with Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC and the, the four-pack tall schools now in the Big Ten I mean automatically you're going to get probably at least two or three more big-time matchups each and every week now
1: and in turn for all I'm not saying you guys are morons but in turn, for all you morons who argued with me about a playoff, and I literally, if I could do, if I, if I was able to do sports talk radio and get a job at 14 years old, you would have heard the same thing from me because I hated college football. I really did. Um, but for everyone out there who complained about college, uh, the college football playoff, um, there are going to be schools that will make it with three losses now. And, but that, and what that means is you yeah. can schedule aggressively. Like, I don't expect a ton of non-con, because now you're going to play 10 games in conference, but losses will not be as devastating as they used to be, which means we get better matchups.
3: Yeah, better matchups, I agree with you there, but I think less of a sense of urgency. I don't know, I kind of like the fact Ooh, that, you know, okay. if you lose this game, you're kind of out of it. Uh, I, I don't know, I, I kind of like that. that you, you just can't mess up. You have to strive for perfection. Being a perfectionist myself... That's why it kind of drew me to college football that you just, you've just got to avoid mistakes at all costs. Now, I mean, you're telling me you can lose two, three games and still be okay. I, I, I don't really like it. I'm just being honest.
1: You can have an opinion. That's fine. Yeah. We can disagree on that one. We can disagree on that one. Um, we can disagree on a lot of stuff. Uh, Brad Powers is with us. At BradPower7 up on Twitter, BradPowerSports.com is where you go to get all of his picks. Where are you now? I know you tally how many bets you have out. How many bets do you have right now in college football total? And we're talking about futures and then on games.
3: Three, right around 350. Uh, right now I'm working on FCS. So, I mean, that, that market's not out yet. Keep in mind there's 42 FBS versus FCS games alone on week one. Uh, I'll probably have a bet on almost every one of those games. So I, I'm anticipating when, when the dust settles 400-plus bets before our game's played.
2: Will, in November, you run to sign up for ESPN Bet in a jurisdiction that allows it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, probably not. Uh, I'm guessing it won't be available here in Nevada. Uh, well, I'll see what the odds. You know, is it going to be similar to what Penn? I mean, are they going to have different people running it, or are they just going to? You know, it's going to be exactly kind of the same. It's just rebranded as the same app as what they had under Barstool. If it is, then uh, there's not going to be a sense of urgency
2: for me. It sounds like it's going to be rebranded Barstool. Right. Essentially, it just well, turns into ESPN Bet. Brad, what was your opinion of Barstool? Were they in
1: play for you?
3: Uh, in play as like, far as they, the like, sports did, book? Did,
1: did you use that book? Could you get money down? Did yeah, you get I money did. Down with them? Yeah,
3: I did. I couldn't get too much down, but I mean, I would say it was very beatable. Uh, I more, more than once traveled across uh, the board to Arizona and made some bets, particularly more. Uh, the, the, the app was down and rebranded this year. They hardly had anything up on the app as far as college football this year. But, man, last year, uh, it, was, it was profitable, uh, I'll put it that way, uh, to, to bet their season win totals.
2: What do you make of another media entity uh, fusing with a sportsbook and trying to brand themselves? Obviously, we saw Fox bet didn't really go well, and now we have ESPN bet coming in November.
3: I think they're late to the party. I know that they're a very powerful brand and they got a lot of money behind them, but my goodness, I mean, we're in year five now of this. And, uh, yeah, sure, they'll grab a little bit more market share than what, the, uh, Barstool had, but I, I don't see ESPN bet right now unseating the Fan Duels or the DraftKings of the world. Just, I, I don't see it. Well, when somebody else has a five-year head on I mean, you, it's going to take a significant amount of money and a significant amount of time.
1: Uh, Patriots are up three uh, nothing. Eight minutes left in the second quarter against the Texans. Minnesota, Seattle play in the preseason at seven o'clock. Did you do anything with these games?
3: Uh, you know what I did a teaser. Most books don't allow you to do teasers uh, in the preseason. Uh, you know, reason being, I mean, when you got suppressed scoring, <laughs> when your totals thirty seven, you know, those points mean a heck of a lot more. Uh, and, and even in these preseason games, that you'd be surprised how you know important one and two is uh, the numbers one and two as far as and important stuff you know the sometimes it's better to go money line than to lay that one or two points because they really try to avoid overtime so i teased houston uh it's not looking great right now although the teaser would still be cashing and then i also teased down uh, minnesota uh, up. Uh, so that's what i did tonight
2: where you where you went shopping for that teaser they are they pricing it the same as a regular teaser in the regular season
3: they are. There's a seven-point teaser, Willie Hill, Caesars, minus 140. So nice. uh, seven-point teasers are typically 140 in the regular season. You're telling me there's 20, on average right. in the preseason, there's 20% less scoring. I mean, to me, I some, some math guy will tell me on Twitter I'm an idiot, but <laughs> to me that that says that when there's 20% less scoring, those teasers are a lot more positive EV in my opinion.
1: Last minute here. I want to get a, a couple of impressions on games in week one. Week zero is actually 16 days away. Week one is 23 days away. Uh, we did a Fresno preview yesterday with the sideline guy for Fresno, um, Cam Morell who actually played there. Um, he was really bullish on the Bulldogs. What do you think of this game on the road? Plus five and a half at Purdue.
3: Yeah, I, I lean towards Fresno State. I bet the under in that game. Uh, but uh, right now I'm hearing whispers that Purdue might be a little bit banged up. Uh, so uh, a couple of key injuries not reported yet. You know, it's tough for me because Fresno State loses a heck of a lot, starting with Jay Kaner, at quarterback. Purdue's got a brand-new coach, a first-time head coach. They had a bunch of transfers led by Hudson Carter, quarterback, and Purdue was like one of five power five teams where I didn't get a chance to see the spring game. So a lot of uncertainty. It's not one of my favorite bets uh, on the board for week one. So lean under and lean uh, Fresno State.
1: 20 seconds left. Virginia, the worst team in the ACC, getting 20, I'm asking if they are, but 28 at home against Tennessee.
3: Uh, worst team in the ACC, no question, but not 28 points worse than Tennessee. At the game, a neutral site played uh, in Nashville, Nissan Stadium, where the Titans play.
1: Brad, I hope you get your teaser tonight. It's almost here, Brad! It's almost here, college football! So fired up. I'm so ready thanks for this.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. All right, there he is.
1: Brad Powers.
2: I love it. You jacked? College football? 16 Obviously. days! I was jacked the second I stepped onto the practice field days. last Friday for UNLV. L V.